0: Well, we are in the Christmas season, and uh, as we uh, consider Christmas and all the wonderful opportunities that Christmas brings, maybe one of the ways that you need to get ready for Christmas is some of the way I get ready for Christmas I, uh, is, uh, well, I, I don't always do it, but I did it this time. I, I went through Christmas carols and Christmas hymns, and I, I, I started listening to them. I, I, I don't know if you are like me. Uh, but i'm'm I'm, uh, I struggle with Christmas in the sense that I, I just I'm more about humbugish many times than not it's it's a busy time I, I have a hard a hard time getting into the swing of it so. Christmas has that kind of feel for me. And maybe you're like that, but, but Christmas hymns and Christmas carols sometimes get you in the mood. Right. And, uh, uh, I remember in, in, in my home growing up when my mom, we had this, uh, this LP vinyl record, 33 and a third, um, had this, this, uh, this LP that she would put on and it, It was chimes. I don't know what it was. It's just a bunch of ding a ling a ling a ling-a-ling-aling-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling-a ling. When she started putting that on, I knew Christmas was here. And so uh, maybe there are some Christmas carols that are or Christmas hymns that, that are your favorites. What what would be some of your favorite Christmas hymns or Christmas carols? Joy to the world, silent night. Oh holy night. Away in a manger. Mary, did you know? She did, by the way. Um, grandma got run over by a reindeer. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer. Frosty the snowman. Is there a Christmas song about unicorns? There ought to be. What? Joy to the world. Go tell on the mountain. Yeah, let's not. Uh, I won't. Uh, What else? We Three Kings. First Noel. I Saw Mama Kissing Santa Claus. Caroling a bell. Uh, Little Drummer Boy. Uh, Whistling Dixie. Oh, Christmas in Dixie, yeah. Try not to ask too many questions. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. No, jingle bells, jingle bells. Uh, uh, Got Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It Came Upon a Midnight Clear, or It Came Upon a Midnight Dreary. Oh, no, that's a different song. Yeah, that's a different poem. Uh, We Three Kings from Orient Are. Bearing gifts, we travel afar. Y'all, y'all don't know this? Okay. Y'all just ignore it. Well, as we, look at, uh, as we look at Christmas, and as I was going through all these different Christmas carols, I found a line in Silent Night that really... Uh, um, and sometimes a, a lyric will stop you and, and really just kind of freeze your attention. And that's what this lyric did. Uh, and I, I don't know which verse it is. I think it's the third, third verse, but it says this, um, A silent night, holy night, Son of God, loves pure light, Radiant beams from thy holy face, with the dawn of amazing grace, Lord, Jesus, Lord, at your birth, Jesus, Lord, at your birth. Today we're going to start a series on Christmas talking about love's pure light. Now love's pure light and, and Christmas with all of its resplendent brilliance and all that kind of stuff, it, love's pure light is not the feeling of the season. That's not what we're talking about. No, love's pure light is not the Christmas cheer that naturally comes where we uh, put on our smiles and we say, how do you do? And, and Merry Christmas, even though I think that's good and nice. And I think it's good for us to be kinder at Christmas. It'd be, it'd be good for all of us to be a little bit kinder all year long, but kinder at Christmas, that's, that's a great thing. And, but that's not love's pure light. Love's pure light is not the sentiments of the season. Love's pure light is the Savior of the season. Love's pure light is Jesus and Jesus alone. In fact, without Jesus, there is no Christmas. Make no mistake. Without Jesus, there is no Christmas. So when we look in these next few weeks at love's pure light, we're going to look at who Jesus is and, and what he's come to accomplish. As we look at love's pure light, this beautiful display of God's great love invading our dark world, we know that we live in a world that needs an invasion of God's great love. And the promise of Christmas that we're going to see over and over and over again throughout these next few weeks, the promise of Christmas is that God's love has invaded this world to set our world right. If you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 61. We're looking at the promise of Jesus The Messiah, the King who was come. And in in Isaiah's day, when he began to to share this this prophetic word, as he began to, to be the mouthpiece for Jesus the Savior, as he began to speak, he was speaking to a people who were living in the dark doom and gloom of life. Uh, They were afraid of lions and tigers and bears, not because they were a mirage or the fears of their own making. They were scared of lions and tigers and bears because that's exactly what was attacking them. They were afraid of a foreign power because the foreign power had already conquered them. They were afraid that they didn't know where their next meal was going to come from because they had no more food and they had no more money to buy food. And they were a people in trouble. They, They were a people... Whether they were in the promised land or whether they were in exile in a foreign land, they were a people overwhelmed by their their circumstance, impoverished by life, and powerless to fix it. And God begins to speak, and Jesus begins to speak. We know Isaiah 61 is Jesus speaking because in Luke chapter 4, Jesus picked up Uh, picked up the scripture and he began to read this verse. And after reading it in the temple, he said to everyone who would listen, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Meaning, what this scripture is talking about, I am he. So when Isaiah shares this truth and this promise to the people of God, and as God speaks to you and me here and now, Listen. Isaiah 61, we'll just look at verse 1. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me for he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. Jesus is the one in whom the Spirit of God dwells in a miraculous and powerful way. He is anointed by the Spirit of God. And what that means, He is anointed as the Messiah, as the King, the King who would come and set the world right. He had come to declare good news. This is the gospel, the good news of God's great love invading the dark world that will set your lives right. And He preaches it to the poor. And the poor, that Hebrew term points to everyone who is overwhelmed by life's circumstance, impoverished by life, shattered and unable to fix what they're going through. In other words, he's speaking to you and me, and the promise of this passage is that God sends Jesus on a mission to rescue and transform our lives. That Jesus, the Messiah, love's pure light has come with The gifts of God's love to make us whole. Now look, I'm not going to try to preach a lot at you today and preach to you. I'm I'm walking this passage with you today. Because I want you to know that the good news that Jesus declared 2,500 years ago through the prophet Isaiah is the good news that he is declaring to you and to me right now. I don't know what your need is, but I know that you have a need. I I don't know what the hurt is of your heart, and I don't know what is the struggle of your spirit. I don't know what are the wounds in your soul. I don't know, but I do know that whatever they are, Jesus, Jesus is the one loaded with the gifts of God's love who will take what's needful in your life And if you'll let him, he'll fix it. You see, we are all here together impoverished by life, no matter how many Merry Christmases we give each other. See, what happens often is we sit in this room or we come into this place, and and I know that there are some of you, uh, you would just soon frown as you would smile at me. You know, and I get that. That's okay. I, I get that. I'm glad you smile instead of frown, though, because you know that you're supposed to. That's what you're supposed to do here in the church. Thank you for smiling. But you know, the truth is, if we're honest, I might not be able to see what's going on in you and you might not be able to see everything that's going on in me, but Jesus can. We all are fighting battles. We all are going through struggles. and I may not know how to fix yours and I may not have the power to fix mine, but I know Jesus does. See, Christmas is the great unveiling of God's great love that loads us down with these gifts of His love. Love's pure light is this wondrous rescuing love of God that reaches out to you and to me, not merely to get us into heaven when we die but to go with us on this journey as we live. Whatever the struggle is, whatever the need, please know that Jesus is up for it. And He already knows it. So my prayer for us today is that we would receive these gifts of love that God offers through Jesus that He makes available to us in the person of Jesus. And what are these gifts of love? Well, let's go back to the passage in Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for He has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. Next line, He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Oh, that's a promise of love. Literally, the first gift of love that we find in this passage is healing for our shattered heart. Because that really is the picture here. So often we think of broken heart through the lyrics and the songs of, of our you know, favorite troubadour talking about the pain of love lost or love not gained or that kind of stuff. But that's really not what this is talking about. When Jesus promises here and now to heal the broken hearted, He's talking about those of us who have fallen off the ledge like a Humpty Dumpty and we're scattered and shattered. Our life is broken to pieces. Now maybe you're here today and that's not you. If it's not you today, then it's been you before. And if it's not been you before and it's not you today, just hold on because it will eventually get to you. See, life has a way of shattering us. It shatters us because sometimes it's the choices that we make. And this is most often in me. I get humpty-dumpty because of the choices that I made. And the sin of my life has shattered my heart. And we all face that. See, there is no escape from sin's consequence of shattering except in the grace of God through Jesus. But when we are persistent in our rebellion, as Israel was in the time of Isaiah, they were persistent in stiff-arming God and rebelling against Him, until finally said, God finally said, okay, I'm going to let you be Humpty Dumpty. And they fell. And their lives were shattered and scattered. And sometimes that's the way it works. And I've experienced this in my own life more times than I can count. My heart's broken, not because of some loss in the sense of a relationship, but primarily because of my sin that has destroyed me. You know what I'm talking about? And Maybe you're, you got all humpty-dumpty not because of choices that you made, but maybe it's because of choices that were made that affected you. I know this to be true in this whole culture in which we live, this new scenario of, of public life where we have people talking about being abused and, and being assaulted. Before we start playing politics with all that, let's just stop and say we grieve for these who are so scattered and shattered by circumstance because of what some others have done. May, may we stop to grieve for them. But, but maybe that's where you are. Maybe it's not abuse or anything like that. Maybe it's just choices that people have done and it's just killed you. It's just shattered. You've gotten scattered. I, I don't know what it is that's broken your heart. But love's gift from Jesus is he takes all the broken pieces and he puts them back together. Now that's the picture of healing. The Hebrew term for healing is a term that says Jesus takes what's broken and he makes it whole. Jesus takes what's broken, whether it's a shattered shards of life that's scattered all over the, 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 the landscape of our circumstance and, 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 and environment. Whatever it is, Jesus takes all those pieces and he puts them together and he makes them whole. Don't you want Jesus to do that for you? See, you don't have to be stuck. A follower of Jesus, you don't have to be stuck in brokenness. The promise of God and the gift of His love through Jesus is that our King will heal the brokenhearted. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for He has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of prison to those who are bound. The first gift of God's love it comes in the person of Jesus the Messiah born at Christmas is healing for our shattered hearts secondly it's rescue from our chains. Oh I've got good news for you. There is no bondage under which you sit that Jesus is not powerful and equipped to set you free from it. There is no chain so strong that Jesus can't break it. When he says, I promise to come and set free those who are captive. He's saying, I've come to rescue you. I've come to break you out of that chain. Whatever that chain may be. And again, I don't know what it is. For me, my chain Most often is just my sin, you know, just the sin that wraps its icy tentacles around my soul and holds on with ferocity and I act like the sin is bigger than God's power which in itself is a sin maybe it's not that kind of sin. Maybe it's a sin of doubt. Maybe, maybe you have just doubted whether or not Jesus cares enough or is able, uh, strong enough to, to set you free from that cell of sorrow in which you live. And Maybe it's doubt. Maybe it's just um, uh, you're, 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 you're elevating the monsters in your life to a status that, that is bigger than the God of life. I, I don't know what your chain may be, but I do know that Jesus is bigger than the chain. And he is more powerful than any chain. We know this to be true because he has ultimately and finally rescued us from the biggest chain of all, and that is the sin that has separated us from God. That that moment in time where I was separated from God, I was dead in my trespass and sin, I was walking along the shadow lands of this life, empty on the inside, and, and, and I realized, came to that point in time where I realized that it was my sin that had created this chasm in my soul because it was this sin that had created this gulf between me and a holy God. And then I saw Jesus, the King of glory, who came From heaven and was born in a manger in a stable in Bethlehem, who lived his life perfectly without blemish or fault, and yet who died on a cross in my place and took the punishment of my sin upon himself and was raised from the dead three days later and shattered the cell of my sin and its shame and set me free when I placed my faith in him. It was in that moment that I became a new creation. Old things passed away, all things had become new. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you know that victory. You know the power of Jesus and his love to set you free from sin's chain. But as followers of Christ, sometimes we forget that 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 liberty that he began in us in that moment is a liberty that he continues for us each day. Sometimes we talk ourselves into thinking that our circumstances or our personal struggles or Our own um, cell is is stronger than than God Himself, and and that is simply a lie. There's no truth to it. And Jesus makes a promise to us today. He makes a promise to you today. And that promise is that He will rescue us from our chains. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Can I tell you something about opening of the prison there? The idea of opening of the prison really is more about us opening our eyes. That Hebrew term for opening is really most often used to describe us being able to see. Maybe today part of the problem that you and I have is that we've been looking so long at the chain that we forget to look at the one who set us free from the chain. Maybe we need to open our eyes to see Jesus again, to see the liberty that he offers you. Look, I know that I know that things get tough and tight and hard and bad. And addictions can get hold of us and sin can, can, can seem to imprison us in, in, in impenetrable bars. But there is nothing that we face, there is nothing whatsoever that we have in front of us that Jesus Christ is not the mighty God, the El Gabor, to conquer that chain and to set us free. But we've got to have eyes to see him. If nothing else, I pray that you would have those eyes to see that he promises rescue from our chains. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for he has anointed me to to proclaim good tidings to those who are poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Verse 2, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. What is this year of the Lord's favor? It's Jesus has come, and we know this to be true, but Jesus has come. And he's come to deliver God's favor that will overwhelm our troubles. And God's favor... Overwhelming our troubles. That's the gift that Jesus comes to deliver. It is the, the gift of God with us. We sang it a few moments ago, Emmanuel. Oh come, oh come, Emmanuel. What is this, Emmanuel? It's God with us. Do you not realize that grace is the, 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 the answer to that plea? It is God with us. And, and that's who Jesus is. God. With us, and he has come to pour out God's grace upon us, his presence in our lives. And it will overwhelm our troubles. Why? Because we have God with us. That's God's favor. I don't know how you define trouble in your life. I, I don't know what that looks like. When I think of troubles, there are a lot of different places my mind chases to, but it it, it most often, in the most pronounced way, it, it turns to um, quicksand I, I don't know why that is Maybe it's because when I was a kid I'd, I'd watch You know, my three channels You only had three channels when I was a kid and, and it was all on that dial Where you had to click, 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 click you know, and, and you had antennas, and you had to you had to twist antennas. That that I know, it's like walking in the snow twenty miles to go to school kind of thing. But there, there were no remote controls that we had with my television. Anyway, we uh, we we watch these television shows, and 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 uh, invariably, when the shows that I like, the, the adventure shows, and by the way, Gilligan's Island is an adventure show. It begins with an. That's the original Survivor show, right? Um. But but whether it was Gilligan's Island or a Western or or some uh, uh, some uh, adventure story, whatever it was, quicksand always was the problem. You know, you you go running through the through the woods, and all of a sudden you fall into quicksand. And quicksand—I don't know if this is true about quicksand, but but in those TV shows, you would fall in quicksand, and then you would immediately go about a little bit more than waist deep, and then you would slowly begin to sink. And, if, and, and uh, invariably, it's quicksand, right? And, and if you tried to struggle out of the quicksand, what happens? You go deeper. And so now you have death by degrees, murder by minutes, and you're just waiting for the quicksand to suck you all the way under, cover your mouth, then your nose, then your eyes, and then you're gone. And the only way out of quicksand, according to the television shows, again, I don't know if this is true. According to the television shows, the only way to get out of quicksand is if somebody comes along with a rope and throws it to you and rescues you, pull you out. That's the only way. Sometimes I feel like I'm in quicksand. My troubles, they start at my ankle, but boy, they're dragging me down to my knees and where I was at my knees, now it's down at my hips. And where it was at my hips, now it's at my belly button, past my belly button, up to my chest. And my arms are, are, are flailing in the, in the quicksand. And I'm, I'm trying to find a way out, but there's no way out. And there's no, there's no way for me to get out. And I need somebody to come and rescue me. Now, whatever the trouble is that you're facing, it doesn't have to end in disaster. See, the promise... The promise, the year of the Lord's favor. That is a promise of God's grace turning around the misfortune and turning it into good fortune. It's a promise from God that Jesus has come to wrap his love around your trouble and set you free, give you victory. Jesus becomes the lifeline to drag us out of the quicksand. And set our feet on a solid foot. That's the promise. You're of the Lord's favor. And when we choose to embrace Christ, and we'll talk about this in a second, but when we choose to embrace Christ, we choose to take hold of that lifeline, then we are set free from the trouble. You're of the Lord's favor. But if we reject, God's offer if we stiff arm God again in our rebellion and in our stubbornness if we stiff arm God and push away the lifeline then it's the day of vengeance it's the day where our choice to reject what God offers ends in our devastation today God's gift of love to you and to me is Jesus who is the lifeline to God's favor that will overwhelm our troubles. You can either be overwhelmed by your troubles or let God's grace through Christ in your life overwhelm your troubles. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for He has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, of the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort those who mourn. Last phrase in verse two to comfort those who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. The gift of God's love that He offers to us is healing for those with a shattered heart, rescue for those who are captured in their chain, God's favor which will overwhelm Troubles and love's gift is life-changing relief in the midst of our grief. I I didn't want to over-spiritualize some of this. I wanted to make it as, as poignant as the text itself makes. To comfort those who mourn literally means that Jesus is going to take his tender touch of love and he is going to wrap you up in his arms of love and he will comfort you. He'll give you relief from the pain of your grief. I don't know what your grief looks like. The mourning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. I don't know what that looks like. I don't think it just has to do with death. Maybe your mourning, your grief is about circumstances that have overwhelmed you. Maybe it's relationships out of sync. Maybe it's just that you had desires and expectations that have gone unfulfilled and have never been fulfilled. I don't know what your grief is. But I know what comfort looks like, don't you? I know what comfort looks like. Last weekend, Edie and the girls and I went to Mississippi for uh, Edie's oldest sister's funeral. Family, friends, getting together, giving words of love and appreciation, hugs. That's comfort, isn't it? It's, it's that moment when tenderness touches the hurt in our soul. And that's what we see. The last phrase in verse to, to comfort all who mourn. Jesus has promised to come and bring comfort to those who mourn. But then in verse 3, he describes more than just a momentary touch, more than just that tenderness that touches the hurt in that second. But in verse 3, he expands it. He says, not only will I give you relief in that moment, I'm going to give you a relief that will change your life, a relief that will trans, uh, transform you toward joy Even in the midst of your struggle, even in the midst of your pain, a joy that will overwhelm the grief of your life. It doesn't mean that your loss is any less profound. It just means that now Jesus has given you a new way of viewing your life and your circumstances and even your loss. And here's what he says. He says, to console those who mourn in Zion, that verb for console, your translation may say something different, but literally it means to arrange in such a way. Um, and some have even said it's, it's where comfort is in the, at the end of verse two, this, this companion verb at the beginning of verse three is, I'm going to comfort you and then I'm going to give you some new clothes to wear. Not only am I going to give you new clothes to wear, I'm going to give you a new name to go by. What are these new clothes that he gives? It's, it's beauty instead of ashes. It's oil of joy instead of mourning. It's the garments of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. Now, all of us have experienced the ashes and the mourning and the spirit of heaviness. All of us have experienced that. We've tasted that. Some of us are tasting it today. But Jesus has promised his mission, his work is to give you brand new clothes. Beauty, the term for beauty is literally headdress, a beautiful headdress. It's, it's the kind of thing that in Isaiah's day, the groom would wear to his wedding. It's this, this beautiful headdress, and, and, and so it from, from the very tip-top of his head, and then the oil of joy, that's the anointing that would come. So it's not just the outward uh, hat, but then it becomes the hair that drips down over the beard and onto the outer garments, and, and those outer garments, uh, anointed by the joy of, of, of God's great love through the Messiah, would then become garments of praise, And so you have this this funeral garb on one end, the ashes, and the mourning, and the spirit of heaviness, the spirit of heaviness in the deep down wounds of our soul, defining how we live our lives. And and we have these garments of, of despair, and doom, and gloom, and agony on me, and deep dark depression, and excessive misery. And we have these garments of of despair that we wear. And and we've all worn them, haven't we? And some of us are wearing them now. The bitter tears have defined who we are and how we live. And and yet, oh friends, listen. Jesus, He offers an escape from the bitterness and an opportunity to be made better. It's, it's not diminishing the loss. It's not saying the loss isn't real. It's not saying it's, if the loss isn't there. It's just saying, I'm going to get you in the midst of this loss, and I'm going to give you a life-changing relief. I'm going to comfort you in such a way that you begin to see everything about your loss or your circumstance or your pain or your struggle, and you're going to begin to view it through the lens of my work in your life you're going to begin to see your suffering as an opportunity, not just a struggle to endure. I'm going to give you new clothes to wear. No longer the dark clothes of mourning. I'm going to give you the party dress where you can dance the dance of joy in it. Some of us, some of us have chosen To stay in the clothes of bitterness. Even though Jesus offers to make us better. And my prayer is that you wouldn't choose that anymore. See, Jesus has given us a new name. He's given us uh, the name that carries on uh, the name of his righteousness. Righteousness. He's given us a new name, a tree of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. We're the creation of God himself because the the, the Savior, the servant, the Messiah, our King Jesus has taken hold of us. We're new people and our lives need to glorify him. So today, let's start that journey of glorifying him. And, And it And it is a journey toward joy, not sorrow. We can be released. We can be rescued. We can be healed. We can overwhelm our troubles. We can find relief even in our grief. Today, the promise of Jesus is real for us. If you'll take hold of it. You know the story of Ebenezer Scrooge, right? All all of us know that story, Ebenezer Scrooge. um, uh, Really, it's a novel by Charles Dickens, uh, A Christmas Carol. If you haven't read the book, read the book. It's better than any of the 30,000 movies. Uh, but, But A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens tells the story of Ebenezer Scrooge. And Scrooge, wounded, and get this, wounded in his life. Experienced great heartache and pain, rejection, ridicule, and he remained bitter. And he stayed in his bitterness, covering his hurt with gruff ba humbugs and making a bunch of money. And still the wound remained. And on Christmas Eve, he's visited by three ghosts who haunted him and showed him his past, his present, and his future if things didn't change. Ebenezer woke up from his dream and he was a changed man. He chose to be better, not bitter. He chose the, the joy of Christmas rather than living in the bah humbug of life. Now, Ebenezer Scrooge is a made up man, a myth, fiction, created by the wonderful pen of Charles Dickens. But what Jesus offers you today is not fiction. It's real life, and it's truer than true. God, the Mighty One, who loves you more than you can ever imagine, sent Jesus on a mission to rescue you and transform your life. Jesus was loaded with the good gifts of God's love to shower upon you And if you will receive these good gifts that he offers, then you will live in the joy that love's pure light really does bring. We're going to end the worship gathering by singing joy to the world. But before we get there, can I just offer a couple of ideas first? The first idea is this. Some of you are in this room and you have never in your life Embrace Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You do not know who he is. You're happy to sing Christmas carols, but they're empty and just traditions that you follow. Today you know that Jesus is who you need to know. The Bible says that we get hold of joy and, and, and we taste God's love for the very first time when we believe on Jesus. That, that God's love that he makes available to the world is applied to the hearts who believe on Jesus. And some of you are here today and you have never believed on Jesus. You have never repented your sin and come to faith in Jesus Christ. And this day, this moment, this, this time is, is your time to be rescued by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. The only way you can move From here to joy. The only way that you can taste God's gift of love is, for the very first time, repent your sin and place your faith in Jesus. Call on the name of the Lord and you'll be rescued. But there are some of you, most of you in the room today, you are followers of Jesus. Like me. And we have have crossed that line of faith where we once were lost and dead in our sin, but but we embraced Jesus and we placed our faith in him. We trust in him and he rescued us and and our lives were changed. We're new creations in Christ. Old things passed away. All things become new. That's who we are. But we're still living in the darkness and we need a taste of God's love. You're here today as a follower of Jesus and you are, you are, you are drowning in your misery and you need hope to get out. You're here today and, and you, are, you are thirsty for relief like a desert ground is thirsty for a drink of water. What do you do? How do you move from here, where you are, from, from bitter tears to being made better. How do you get there? It's by taking hold of this gift of God's love on a daily basis in the details of your life. And and if I could, if I could just borrow from the words of Jesus for a second and this is how we'll end. See John chapter 15, Jesus kinda helps us apply what He forecast. Apply the promises that He delivers John chapter 15, now listen to what Jesus says to us today. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy might be in you and your joy may be full. What does Jesus tell us here? Oh, follower of Jesus, you want, you want to move beyond the shattered heart and the prison cell and the trouble and the grief then the promise here is to sink your roots deep down in the love of Jesus Christ and stay there. How do you stay there? By obeying Jesus, by following his command. And if you sink your roots deep in the love of Jesus, by obeying his commands, doing what he says, then the promise is joy. The kind of joy that Ebenezer Scrooge woke up to that Christmas morning where he walked around and he said, Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! What a great day! His life had changed. You're here today and you are walking around in the death dirge of your own sorrow and grief and the suffering that is so real. Please wake up to joy today. Jesus the Savior has come. Make room in your heart to obey him and celebrate the joy he gives. Would you bow your heads, please? Lord God, in these moments as we gather and worship in your name, I pray that you would do a mighty work of grace among us and that you would help us to move from bitterness to being made better. That you would help us find our relief In you, that you would help us taste your love, shattering the chains, breaking open the cell of our sorrow and suffering, that you would help us today as we kneel before you, as we bow before you. Oh, Jesus, will you do your mighty work of grace among us that we may be able to stand and say joy to the world. The Lord is come. Now be glorified as we worship you in this place, in this time, in this moment. And change our lives for your glory's sake. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. This altar is open.